For decades, custom applications were the norm. It allowed organizations to create applications that were designed to meet the very minute requirements of the business. Of course, the downside is that these applications require more time to build, most likely will be more expensive to maintain, have questionable transparency practices uh, being applied and these days with AI on the way, are very biased the way they're programmed, and someday run the risk of the original developers no longer being around to maintain them, which happens it's still very often these days. Now, with the growing popularity of citizen developers using low-code or no-code platform, is there value for custom applications? Joining us today on, on Podcast for Future CIO is Mr. Ankit Gupta, Practice Director at the Everest Group, to shed light on the future of custom applications. Ankit, welcome to Podcast for Future CIO. Thank you, Alan, for having me. Would be looking forward to contribute. To set the stage, please define for us what is Everest Group's definition of custom applications. Sure. So, Alan, uh, when you think about custom application, it's a pretty broad-based definition, right? And most of the organizations, enterprises would look at it in a different fashion. Custom applications to us is anything that you are doing which is aligned to enterprise needs beyond the standard SaaS or out-of-the-box solutions, that's customer application, be it customer-facing, backend, integrations, and all of it. Okay? And with regards to integration, a lot of the integration and the reason I am focusing on that is because when we think about standardization and out-of-the-box solutions, much including SaaS platforms, people believe that it will be there like a silver bullet and solve everything for them. But potentially, the beauty of technology is things were designed to be simple, but it ends up being complex. And that's where uh, custom applications are required even on top of SaaS platforms to drive more meaningful business outcomes for the enterprise. We'll come back on that to drive more meaningful outcomes as part of this discussion. Now, custom applications on NR coding have been around for decades, particularly during the heady days of mainframes on monoliths. How has it evolved, these custom applications evolved during the era of SaaS and cloud computing? That's a great question. And if you think about it, one of the points also I'll touch upon that you introduced in the introduction as well. So if you think about it, three layers, the expectations have evolved significantly. And I also touched upon it. Now, business priority in most of the scenario, and we recently concluded one of the key issue survey for 2024 for 200 plus enterprises stakeholders. And one of the things that they want to say, 64% of them is to drive more revenue. And 91% of that initiatives come from IT as well, because IT is so embedded in the entire scheme of things. And that's where the beauty of it is. Now, IT is not just a cost function. It's a revenue enabler. And the expectations have evolved. That's number one. Number two, the architecture. Initially, you talked about mainframe. It's not like... You just go ahead and code and you're done. Now the architects have much more responsibility. They need to understand business context and identify whether they, they should be having an application which is on cloud, which is on mainframe, which is on something else, a, a hybrid cloud or a multi-cloud environment, and then decide the architecture of application, whether it needs to be microservices, monolith, and whatnot, because everything has its own pros and cons that it comes up with. And the third, the execution part, right? the developers are now being saddled with more and more uh, that, you know, uh, it's fine that you are doing coding, great business logic, but you know what, can you do some kind of a platform engineering thing for me? Can you do performance optimization thing for me? Can you do even QA for me at times? So uh, what about developer experience? So across all of these three, the situation has evolved significantly. 
I'll just close on with a quick point on the uh, SaaS platform. The demand theme has also changed. It's not just about one business problem or a one mega application. Now we are looking at, as we say, microservices, even in similar fashion, micro applications. You need to have an integration between two COTS applications. What can I do? Let's build a custom application and help them interact. Because eventually your business process is a combination of multiple systems and everything needs to tie back together to give that seamless experience to the users and stakeholders involved. To what extent are business leaders today requiring IT to continue to, with custom development, right? To cater to the perceived uniqueness. Oh, my business is unique. My market is unique. My customers are unique. Versus, as you mentioned also, the interest around using SaaS applications up in the cloud because we want to get things up and running as fast as we can. Just get these SaaS applications off the shelf, get them running in the cloud, and off we go. Sure, sure. So, Alan, uh, that's the biggest conundrum, I will say, that enterprises are facing, right? Because, again, reflecting back on the key issue survey that we recently did, the other question that we had for the enterprises was, what are the key expectations from global services? And when they say global services, it includes their GBS arms, the outsourcing partners, the shared services, and whatnot. So the first one was to streamline processes to optimize cost. And the second one was to contribute to top-line revenue growth. Now, if you look at it the first one is basically what your SaaS platforms are addressing to your point the second one the SaaS platforms cannot do it all by themselves because if that was so straightforward and consistent there was no differentiation and hence the contribution to revenue would be minimal right so both of them are important the reason I was focusing more on custom applications because if you think about it, the working in tandem part is being managed by custom applications rather than SaaS applications because SaaS applications is what they are and they, they cease to exist beyond that, right? Uh, for everything else, you need custom applications. So if we're having this combination of we'll continue acquiring SaaS applications or going subscription with these ones, and at the same time, we need these uh, custom applications, the application team to develop custom applications to allow us to better tailor these uh, SaaS solutions out there. How will that affect this standardization with SaaS affect the makeup of the application team? What, what should they look like? It would be a combination, right, uh, of two factors. One, as you said, developers are not longer in the initial part. Uh, developers probably do not exist when you need to maintain it for, let's say, five to seven years. That's where the pod construct the product-centric operating model, and you might have heard it, everyone would have heard it. Everyone is trying to replicate what kind of success that internet-age companies like Netflix and Amazon had, the enterprises as well, where they are trying to build those persistent product teams. Now, the persistent product teams, as they look like, has two components to it. One is the core team, which works very, very closely with the businesses and right from the word go with the application, right? Right from requirement gathering to it at least theoretically, right? And it is a full stack team. It can do anything and everything that the application wants it to do. And then there is a flexible pool of developers and similar kind of stakeholders who can come in if the capacity needs to expand, the output needs to expand on certain occasions. So that's from the construct perspective. You need persistent teams which are full stack, ensure continuity so that there's no knowledge loss or business context loss. And of course, there's a product manager right on top which orchestrates 
it's all about. The second part, the inclusion of the integration part. So as I was mentioning in my earlier discussion, the uh, complexity, which was at least perceived that would no longer exist with the SaaS application would certainly expand in certain scenarios because of different requirements or unique requirements to the business users as they see. And that's where you need to have individuals or team members who know the stack that they are communicating with. So let's say if it is an SAP stack or if it is an Oracle stack or anything, right? I'm just giving major one. They should know what the functionality can do versus not, because if it is available in the SaaS application, you need not replicate that same thing, but you need to build on top of it and accelerate the development. So a little bit of understanding would be needed for that particular platform as well as we move. I'd like to draw your attention to this other topic that has been cropping up lately, citizen development, these low-code, no-code platforms, or essentially what some people say, the democratization of programming. What does it mean as far as the future application development? Does that mean that application developers are going to be running out of jobs very soon? That's a very far-fetched statement. And I think uh, there's a good saying uh, which I'll reflect upon and which suggests that, you know what, we overestimate the effect of technology in the short run and underestimate the effect of technology in the long run. So I think that's happening for low-code, no-code, right? You are overestimating that the developers will no longer exist. On the contrary, what I see is a dual momentum to continue because you have platforms such as OutSystems, which are more developer-friendly. So uh, IDE, the integrated development environments like IBM RAD or Eclipse have been existing for quite some time. I think the local platforms, which are more developer friendly, will become the new age IDEs, wherein you can have faster development. Mm -hmm. The citizen development, on the other hand, will be more of process orchestration. And we do have multiple platforms in that segment, right? Which facilitate faster integration, ease of it for business users, and so on and so forth. So Next, what I'm trying to say is there is, of course, an augmentation that would happen with the low-code platforms for the developers and they will continue to exist. But yes, there would be the business users that would be coming in who will be developing or orchestrating their own business workflows. If I were to put it in a nutshell, rather than application development being democratized, business impact will be going to democratize. What does that mean? If you want some business impact to be made and if you can do it by yourself, business users will be free to do so with those workflows. If you want it to be done by someone else, developers, you can rope them in and you can have faster results with local platforms. Do you see the growing trend around the use of local, no-code platforms as encouraging the further proliferation of shadow IT, for example? Is that going to be a trend that will happen in the while? And for the CIO who's also in charge of, to a certain degree, making sure we're compliant, that the organization is compliant with whatever rules and regulations they are uh, that exist within their industry, how do they, on one hand, allow for the democratization of applications and the, the use of these local node phones and at the same time maintain the compliance for which the organization needs to be always al aligned with. Very pertinent question. Cybersecurity is one of the key topics that we discussed last year. Uh, CISOs getting into the boards of multiple enterprises, right? I think it's more important to understand where we are in the stage of adoption and low code. It's a 2020, uh, 20-odd billion kind of a market, if I may put it, and uh, growing at a very fast rate, about 25%, right? CIGR. Now, initially, with every new tech, like even for Gen AI, and probably we'll cover that uh, in some time, every business user gets excited about the 
and that's where they go ahead and have that rush you know what let me try it or try this otherwise i'll be left behind or my business unit will be left behind and that's where all of these shadow it implications come in take it but eventually once the technology matures not just uh, from a market perspective but within an enterprise as well that's where the standardization will kick in and the role of cio with uh, let's say selection of platform which low code platform should i go with why what are my requirements when all of that gets consolidated at a central level that informs the decision making and eventually all of it being amplified with the security policies and the other guardrails of the organization uh, helps more of a federated approach eventually so it's more of a sporadic as of now as we get into that mature cycle it will become centralized and then federated that's what my understanding standing there would be caveats shadow it has been there for like decades right i would say but uh, it cannot be a thing that it vanishes off but certainly it would curtail going forward as the technology uh, matures as a market and in the end now you mentioned the word generative ai so let's talk about ai or artificial intelligence how do you see ai impacting the application development teams and the actually overall application development itself as a practice so uh, no conversation goes without talking about generative AI, and I'm glad we are at least talking about it. But if you look at generative AI in silo, probably uh, it's again fancy, and there are a lot of pilot projects that are being conducted, limited examples where it has been scaled in, in any enterprise. Having said all of it, I think the potential impact or the overall potential is enormous. And all the large providers, if I can name a few, rather I'll skip naming them, but all the global uh, service integrators are investing significantly in generative AI capabilities. One of the things uh, that would certainly happen, some of the activities which remained untouched from automation perspective would also get, would also get impacted and impacted significantly. And the productivity savings would be to the tune of 30 to 50 percent and the untouched activities that i'm talking about are more on the application development side and uh, when we consider the overall uh sdlc software development life cycle so qa and uh, ams the application management services were uh, having most of the impact from the automation right but now with Generative AI, as we were speaking, you will have code generations done, pseudo code, and whatnot. Uh, and that's where impact to those high end activities will also uh, trickle to happen. So, my idea is if you, or uh, at least the perspective that we have at Everest Group is if you use both uh, probabilistic generative AI and uh, overall AI technology or the automation which has existed in combination, the uh, impact would be very, very significant uh, when, in, in terms of productivity. And that's what almost every organization is aiming for. And across different sub-activities is where you need to focus on. Just to give you an example, test case generation, test data generation, those are the activities which can certainly be tabbed and have been tabbed, but what can you make to the next level in QA or similarly in requirements gathering in the shift left or the leftmost activity of application development, that would be the crux of the matter or that would be the North Star for you. We're in the early days of 2024, just started the year. Do we still need custom applications in 2024? And what conditions do you think we would require custom applications for the organization? 
Uh, I think we did cover it in different formats. So the short answer is yes, we need custom applications and more than ever before. The And the ways and kinds of application, if I were to break it down, right? So eventually, if you think about every business is going as close to the stakeholders as you can is about that and that's where you need to drive differentiation if you're providing same user experience as someone else there is limited chance to grow and potentially make an impact so customer or stakeholder facing applications will continue to be custom applications and that's the need of the discussions second uh, the integration part i think that is one of the things that we discussed multiple times so with a lot of proliferation from technology uh, technology that has happened the integrated view of workflows will ensure that there are a lot of these small applications or micro applications that are being built which integrate all of these things ensuring better productivity and uh, results for the business the third and the potentially one of the things uh, which is still debatable generative ai part right that's where i think uh, and or data specific applications if i'm going to put it in one category that's where the majority of traction so how you can get to better insights how can you do better with what you have or, or more with less to simply put it uh, right so that would be the third bucket that I have. so mel do you have any questions for kids Yes, I have one question, Ankit. Um, I'm really interested about the rights of citizen developers because I'm not an IT practitioner myself. So as an IT practitioner, what for you is the greatest challenge or downside with the rise of citizen developers at low-code or no-code platforms? challenge uh, that's an interesting way to put it so as i said uh, i think uh, the developers will continue to exist that's uh, for sure uh, it's just that uh, the way in which they do work will evolve and change I, uh, as i said out systems or any other local platform which is developer friendly can be treated as a next gen ide but now coming to the question the challenge part i think the challenge is a lot of times what would happen and I'm being a little cynical here, but the point is a lot of business developers try and solve their own problems with a very short view or a limited view, right? Which can potentially have implications on security, overall enterprise architecture, the end outcomes and whatnot. And once they are in mess, probably it will go to the IT teams that you know what, this has happened. There are five applications of similar nature. Can you make something more or less out of it? So the eventual end would be a little difficult is what I understand, or, and it would be a little challenging task for uh, the IT teams. And I think the CIO with regards to the standardization to Alan's question would need to play a very important role in terms of platform selection and defining the guardrails of the overall execution as well. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Podchats for Future CIO. Thank you, Alan, for having me, and it was great interaction. I'm looking forward to doing it uh, often. Thank you. That was Ankit Gupta, Practice Director, Everest Group, on the topic of the future of custom applications. You are listening in the podcast for future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editorsatsociety.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podcasts for Future CIO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you in the next episode of Podcast for Future CIO. Bye for now.